0: Episode 22. We back. Football. God Save the Queen is back. It is a very, very good time to be a sports fan. It is Tuesday, September 15th, episode 22 of your favorite podcast, Beers, Business, and Balls. We're talking craft beer, sports entertainment. And the latest business news brought to you by our friends at Anchor and Dugout Creative, Jake Zimmer. I am live in Providence alongside Will Tondo from Southold, New York. I am watching football on one screen, and I'm recording this on the other. It is a great time to be alive and a sports fan, Will Tondo. Football is fucking back. That's how good, and that's our show. See you later, and that's it. it. (laughs) Signing off, take it easy. But I mean, although I just watched the Giants lose, I don't even care. I mean, watching Red Zone all Sunday was probably the perfect way to kick off the fall, dude. I sat on my ass and I did not leave our couch in our living room here for. I would say, actually, you know what, I got up to play poker, and that was it. And I sat my ass in the poker chair for another two hours after that. I mean, it is incredible. A couple of seltzers, some, some football food. Oh, man. I, I, I can't believe it. I mean, I cannot, I would not have thought when this whole pandemic started that we we're going to have football and like how they were going to, you know, not have any positive tests but the reports came out Sunday morning zero positive tests this week and they played and I mean granted it was some sloppy football across the board it was not yeah it was pretty bad (laughs) they were not they were this is a this was a preseason game but it was still football it was still football yeah and I'll tell you what I think we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later but there were some really really good games this week They were really good. There were a few games that literally went down to the last play. We saw some pretty shitty games that went down to the last play, too, like um, just something that stands out, the Chargers and the Bengals. I mean, my God, you can't have a worse football game than that. Um, Joe Burrow looked good. There's small slivers of positive in all of these crappy games, and you know, I think with the exception of one shootout, we didn't see a ton of offense, but I mean, it was it's football. That's all that matters. They'll get used to it, chalk it up to the no preseason, whatever. They're trying to figure out what works. So football's back, folks. Football. I, I'm very excited. Football's back. That's um, the theme of today for sure. We have a kick-ass guest though, and he's not in football or sports. Uh, we are talking with Dave Ritchie, who is the director of the Craft Rhode Island, it's available on Amazon. It's a movie. You can rent it for six bucks. You can buy it for 10. You might as well just buy it. It's another $4 and you have access to it forever. I rented it. I fucked up. But um, he went on a really cool project to set the frame for this interview. He went on a really cool endeavor to try to capture the Rhode Island craft beer scene. He went out and talked to the real players in this industry. We talked to Mark Hellendrung from Narragansett talked to a lot of the other microbrewers around here, Dan Copen, who would have thought former Patriots lineman. Now he's got a brewery in Rhode Island. So that was really cool. Will. And I I mean, I think that as far as, I guess clashing of experiences, that guy is on the top of the list for the guests that we've had. He's a beer. He played hockey. He's a teacher. And now he's a film director. Yeah. Shout out to the guys over at the Warp podcast who we had on, uh, a few few weeks ago a couple months ago actually but we got in contact and we were so excited to have Dave on I mean such a cool dude and you know just his story of you know being a teacher and being like hey we have a let's make a movie about craft beer in Rhode Island and being able to share the stories of the different breweries and you know winning a major, uh, a major award in a film yeah, festival. major award in a film festival I mean that's yeah. no slouch that is no slouch and it was really awesome to see. But without giving anything away, you know, you guys definitely have to check it out. It's available on 15 different platforms, but the major one is Amazon Prime. So we hope you enjoy the interview with Dave Ritchie. Yeah, don't be a scumbag and get it on Reddit or some other site either. But support the man. He's an awesome dude. Um, so talking beer. I had a lot of it this weekend. Again, No, uh, <laughs> no, nothing different there for us, folks. So condo we're, we're drinking and we're drinking good yes yeah the beer was the, the beer was flowing uh the moscow mules were flowing the bloody marys were flowing but especially the beer were flowing so i had a few different things a lot of stuff i've already had and reviewed on the show so there was one beer that i had sitting in the fridge for a little bit actually another gift from the Warp podcast guys when we swap, swap some beer so this is over another long island selection uh, from blue point brewing company an official sponsor of the new york yankees yes uh, they are uh, yes yeah. blue point toasted lager you can get it at i think five different taps at the stadium blue point toasted lager is an incredible beer uh <laughs> I'll definitely have that on the re- review that on the show uh, in the coming weeks but i actually had it was called dragon with matches it's mm. a scotch ale we heavy 6.8 percent Um, it's a smoked scotch ale that features prominent malty and caramel flavors. Uh, it was a limited release and it included plum smoked malts. Uh, That's like what they had, uh, promoted on the can. And it was also inspired from a Grateful Dead song, Fire on the Mountain. There's a dragon, there's a, there's a dragon with matches that's loose on the town, takes a whole pail of water just to cool him down. Um, it definitely had a kick to it. It definitely, you immediately had, smelt that smoky flavor, or tasted that smoky flavor, smelt that uh, smoky and caramel aroma. And, I mean, it was definitely a good way to kick off the fall beer. I give it a 3.5. Uh, it's definitely not one that you could have multiple of. Um, it's more of a heavier beer, that dark uh, oak cask, brown, colored lager, or not lager. Yeah, do you know what they, you know what they call those? There's a name for them. It's kind of weird. If you rated it on tap, you probably saw it. The wee Heavy it's a wee heavy yep. yeah yeah wee heavy and um i mean it was very it was very good if i was at a brewery i'd probably put that in my uh in my flight but i wouldn't would not get a full pint Wee heavies are weird and they they push themselves as a scottish like dark red ale because they are but they're typically like cast and put in barrels and stuff like that and they call it wee heavy i guess because it's They brew it in very small doses, right? Mm -hmm. But it's fucking potent because you have that, you have the alcohol coming through from whatever was in it beforehand, pretty much. You get the whiskey, you get all that other shit. You know, they do that with tequila beers too. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. do that with like, you know, they put a little sea salt in there, some lime. That's pretty good. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not, something like that is not what I would get a pint of necessarily. Or if I did, I'd stop it there and, you know, go something lighter. Um, It'd be in my flight. So I like that analogy. Uh, all right. New England beer, folks. We have talked so much about all the New England breweries, but I don't think we've even rated this yet. Boom sauce. Boom sauce. Right, Hobo. one of my favorites. It is. Oh, dude. Um, one of my favorites. I had boom sauce at Laura's Bar and Grill. I think I, I think I was 21 at the time, but that was the first time I ever had it um can you say <laughs> can you say the best IPA in in New England it's in the conversation for sure 100% um, in the conversation say it again I said 100% in the conversation with I think a doubt. so and it's yeah it's it's very bold very complex hop profile so they I think they hopped it like with five different things I think there's Nelson in there so I don't even know I'm not gonna even try to find it and ruin the the perception of it this is lord hobo's flagship beer folks if you're in Woburn or near wuburn massachusetts and you have not been to lord hobo i would respectfully ask that you don't listen to this podcast anymore um i can't really talk shit because i haven't been there but i'm not from mass so uh very very bright and bold so hazy you can't see through it goes really nice with football food and heavy shit Oh my god, give me a four-two-five on this one.
1: Damn. I would
0: now it, it's it's borderlines the way that you drink it. It could be a four-five sometimes. I think if it's coming off the tap and it's crisp and mm-hmm. clean and it's brand new, you have the potential for four or five. I had it at D and B Craft Kitchen New Bedford Mass this past weekend. Um It was very good. We had it out of the growler. So I think it was a little bit, you know, watered down, but it tastes different. Everyone knows that. So give me a 425 Boom Sauce. Try it out. Our friends at Lord Hobo, um, they've they've got some great stuff. They serve 617 at Fenway. Um, It's kind of weird because that's like, Blue Point is the Yankees beer and Lord Hobo has... The the Boston Beer, so yeah, there you go. Coming to a stadium near you, folks. Hopefully, we get back there soon. Let's hop right into business. Uh, We have been talking about TikTok for weeks now. Who hasn't at this point? Oracle came out of nowhere this past couple of weeks and said, "Yeah, we're into dark horse. The definition of a dark horse. They're trying to uh, get their hands on anything that has cloud data, pretty much, and you know, increase their uh, their operations in, in that department for sure." They were not... So there was a lot of confusion when this started here. Broke on Twitter earlier uh, in the week. And they said, oh, Oracle has been selected as TikTok's suitor. But not the case. People jumped the gun on it. All that really happened was Microsoft was eliminated or they you know withdrew their bid or whatever with growing concerns and all that stuff. And Oracle was announced as the TikTok's trusted tech partner. Um, so, I mean, they take over the US ops, most of them. Um, and it sounds like, well, they're going to cut a deal with them to, to make it a little bit more beneficial for both sides to, to operate in their own silos. So I think this is good. Yeah, I mean, no one could have expected Oracle. They're kind of that company in Silicon Valley that it's not the flashiest, but it's very, you know, still a very successful company and very uh, reputable no and yeah, they were one of the first to, to establish themselves. So yeah, I mean I was still surprised when Walmart had their name out for uh TikTok. I was like, Walmart? Yeah. I mean, like now we're just kind of be like, who's making the bigger monopoly at this point? I, I understand that play though, and our friend Zaid, of course, Zay Admani on uh Admani explains on Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. He had a really good breakdown of why Walmart could be in there. And I mean it's consumer data. They want their hands on how oh, young people 100%. are shopping. And if I feel like that's the one area where you know, young people aren't going. They're not going to Walmart. They're going to Amazon or anywhere. You know, their, their search starts on Amazon or Google. So I see what Walmart was up to. Um, yeah, weird though. It was, I did not expect it. It took me a bit to put it together. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, what actually comes to play with this. I mean, the app isn't going to change for those who love TikTok. I mean, nothing's going to stay the same. I mean, nothing's going to change uh, with the regards to usage, but I mean, you should be happy that your data isn't going to be fully sold off. Uh, what has been taken, the damage is already done. It's not jumped the gun yet. <laughs> yeah. What has been taken, the damage is already done, but... They have what they need. They have what they need. That's The, thing. <laughs> the Chinese people have what they need. Um, that is life. Yeah, I don't know. This is... Uh, we'll... I want to know what the terms are, right? Like, they say that they're going to add all these new jobs, which is great because it makes Trump happy, right? Um, I think they're going to add like 20,000 American jobs, which I, hey, that's really good. Hey. Um, I want to know what this partnership is going to look like, though. Like, I feel like these never really go too well. Or maybe it's just for the brand. I don't really know. I don't yeah. know. So regardless, so we're going to keep our eyes on that. We, we talk about TikTok every week at this point. It's a big news. So, um, yeah, I offer no further perspective. I think we're, we're hearing stuff as it comes out. Oracle is clearly, you know, they have their head screwed on straight. And they had a plan. So it was interesting, though, to see the stock not take a huge jump. Yeah, it did. And that's, you know, they so I saw Robin Hood and I went on this morning when they announced it. Uh, or when the news started coming out, I think it was a little bit before pre-market and the shares halted. It dipped really quickly and they stopped. They froze the shares because there wasn't an official statement yet. So I think that's probably, I bet you that had a little bit to do with it um, just to halt the growth. I think what they gained like seven or 8% today. That's really about it. But um, yeah, a little surprised that it wasn't a little bit higher. So we'll keep our eyes on other stocks to Um DraftKings. We are talking a record deal with ESPN. They're going to integrate their sports book on ESPN's website. That is enormous. They, I think, went up 16% today. They're trading close to $50 a share. They started the week and previous weeks near 30. So, um, for that reason, it's a stock of the week. I like this pick. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a smart pick. Um, I picked up DraftKings uh, a few weeks ago, so it was exciting to see. This huge increase, but it is definitely one of those things in the sports gambling industry that is a direct result to what's going on with Penn National Gaming and Barstool. I mean, Penn National Gaming and Barstool are now at around sixty-five dollars, and that is solely because of the new edition of the sportsbook in Pennsylvania, and of course their casinos across the country. Mind you, that's about fifteen times what it was before. Oh. 15 times exactly. <laughs> um. So having, I mean, DraftKings has been this up and coming, up and coming company, like every year and year when it's, uh, you know, they're creating jobs, you're, you're seeing them all across the board. I mean, I was watching a Yankees game on yes network and they're like, here's the Draft King, uh, DraftKings, uh, pick of the week for the game. And I'm like, holy shit. Like they are literally pushing content everywhere. And I mean, like it or not, sports gambling is going to be legalized by the end of 2021. Nationwide, you have to think nationwide. I mean, it 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 it, it, it's kind of pitiful that it's not right now because again, it's not really harmful unless you are a serious gambler. One eight hundred gambler, call if you have a problem. But it is uh, this is a big deal for DraftKings to land that ESPN because again, no matter if you like ESPN or not, that is the number one producer of sports content. You are when you're looking at your scores, you're looking at ESPN. When you're playing fantasy. Most of it is ESPN fantasy. Like everything yeah, well, revolves of around. Course. We talked about that with Goodman a couple of weeks ago. It's like even though he left ESPN, right? And even though there's people that are like ESPN's, you know, kinda of shitty, I'm going wherever, it's still ESPN. It is the their tagline of the worldwide leader in sports. I hate to say it, it's no bullshit whatsoever. They yep. are the sports media entity of the entire world. It's ESPN. Yeah, That's no slouch. No slouch <laughs> at all. No slouch at all. Uh, I mean, they're hosting Monday Night Football still. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, no matter if you like them or hate them, ESPN is still that top dollar, that top king. So, landing a deal like that. and they right? always will be. They and I believe be. um, also at DraftKings, uh, Caesars landed uh, this deal as well, or a similar deal with ESPN. Someone – I, I know they've been dealing in Vegas yeah. I, I'm not sure what they're up to. I, we're going to find out a lot more about that in the next months, I'm assuming, because ESPN's in. If the Vegas folks are dealing with them, they're going to want to publicize it a little bit more too. Um, this is really good. I, and there's time to get in on DraftKings. I could see this stock doubling. I could. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be, again, not a financial advisor. Um, do not sue me if you lose money. Um. This is one that there could be periods of growth like this for them for, for years, for years, because when sports betting, you know, we, we talked about DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff and, and what they mean for sports. I mean, think about all these outdated rules where, you know, if you work in XYZ industry, you can't gamble on sports. Like for me, I technically can't gamble on any of this stuff, right? I'm employed by college you know, athletics programs. Now it's, People are getting so uncomfortable because the NCAA is like, all right, our regulations are down. Like, let's see how we can make some money off this, right? It's uncomfortable, but it's, like, this is huge stuff. And I'm excited. I am. I'm excited to lose all my money. (laughs) It's dangerous, but it's fun. It's dangerous, but it's fun. Sum it up like that. And then, so, nice segue into balls here because if you are a better – and you are in a state where it is legal at this point, you must have had a field day this weekend. There was a lot of stuff going on. We'll start with the NFL. It is so back, as you put in the agenda. A um, couple of quick things to start. I mean, we we talked a little bit about the top of the podcast. A little bit sloppy. I mean, we expected it, though. It's a game one, no preseason. They were working out. They just did OTAs and pads. and No scrimmages, really, even, too. So... We'll talk about the Patriots first, of course. Cam Newton, three words or three letters, R-P-O, baby. Run, pass, option, or repass, option. Um, Patriots win 21-11 over the Dolphins. I, I understand the narratives, can Cam Newton replace Tom Brady? But I think now Cam's trying to make it, can Cam Newton be Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform? You say three letters RPO, I say two letters IR. That man <laughs> is going to get his shit rocked. I mean, it was – granted, I'm not a Patriots fan, I'm I'm a Giants fan, but I love the game of – love the NFL, love the game of football. I love the move. I mean, the Patriots, that's a no-brainer signing him. Um, I mean, for starters, you're playing the Dolphins, so – yeah, they have some new additions. They have, you know, Flores and blah, 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 blah. I mean, they're still the Dolphins. You're not running home and, like, you know, facing, like, a top 10 defense. The fucking Fins. I get it. It is. But, it's a Fins. You have Fitzmagic playing quarterback, dude. He sucks. Yeah. I mean, Cam Newton, it was very impressive, you know, that he still has some wheels. And, you know, he rushed for the two touchdowns. But he was making some runs where it's like you were taking big hits. You are not the Cam Newton right out of Auburn, you know, your first couple of years on the Panthers. You are Cam Newton that, hey, we're glad that you still have the wheels, but you're going to have to adapt a little bit and not take big hits. I mean, a name that comes to mind that, like, as he got older, got injured, Robert Griffin. You know, he yeah. was a guy that, you know, he was quick. He was agile. He was mobile. But like, he would take hits, and his coaches are like, hey, let's let off on the hits. And he's like, I don't want to come off as weak. And then he tears his ACL. I think it's a little bit different with RG3 because Cam Newton's a big fucking guy. He's, like, 6'3", 6'4". RG3 – and I'm not saying it's different. I get, your, I get your argument. RG3 was just not as fucking yoked as Cam Newton was. I, I will take that to the grave. Which is fine. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, he wasn't as yoked. But, but he's still a football player. He was 6'2". He was 6'2". RG3 was 6'2". RG3 is 6'2". What did he weigh, though? 215. 215? Cam Newton, what, what does he weigh now? He definitely weighs... Yeah, he's 6'5", 245. I mean, that's a man's man. Yeah, that's still a man's game, not going to lie. But also, how old is Cam Newton right now? He's old as fuck. He's 31. <laughs> I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. And I'm... It's legitimate cause for concern I think what I was happy with with the Patriots this week defense looked really good um I thought that it that was really the only thing that I thought was like tip-top shape right I think it's classic vintage Patriots They had Adrian Phillips looked phenomenal he was with Tennessee last year um or sorry the Chargers last year he looked great Winovich looked great Defense looked really good. The offense is going to be the problem this year, and they're going to play the Seahawks next week and hopefully not get railed by them. I, I hope the defense is good enough to keep Kim and in the, in the Pats in the game against the Seahawks. I really do. Well, that's a good transition because another team that I wanted to highlight with the Seahawks because, my God, they looked good. I mean, Jamal Adams was flying around the field and he came off like after that post, after the uh, post game and just ripped against the Jets. He's like, I've never played like this. I've never had a team to play like this. Uh, going in and at it. I mean, Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns. Chris Carson's had himself a game too. Like, he, this was definitely a make or break year for him because everyone's like, are you a top tier back or not? Um, He's certainly Seahawks, looking like it now. The Seahawks are a scary team. I think they're one of the teams that, can come out of the NFC. Uh, I really do. And on the opposing side in the AFC, might as well give it to the Chiefs. I think yeah, the Chiefs are they're the team to beat. They are. Might as well give it to the Chiefs. I mean, again, Houston, you know, they're in that weird like, are they rebuilding? They're not rebuilding. You know, they no one's gonna beat the of, Chiefs. Yeah. No one's gonna beat it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> No, I'm just saying in that first game against you know the Chiefs Texans, it's like okay. Oh like, yeah, I thought you meant you as know, a like. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm just saying like okay, like was it a fluke because like the Texans aren't like that special, but they still have talent. It's like, but nobody it doesn't cares. matter. <laughs> I think like the only team in the AFC that could beat the Chiefs will give them a run for the money is the Ravens. I think so too, and it certainly won't be any one of the AFC East. Uh. <laughs> As we talk about the Jets, and then also in the NFC East, we'll, we'll transition, too, to the New York teams as well here. I mean, the Jets suck. It makes me so happy to see the Jets suck again. And James Moss put out something on, on <laughs> the blog tonight. It was week one recap. Yikes. Now, his bold prediction, after the Jets get absolutely shelled by the Bills, everyone thought that anyway, is... Adam Gase is going to be the first <laughs> the first guy to get fired this year, which I, that's not a far cry. I don't think it will happen, but it is not a far cry. Not a far cry, but I think a guy that also could get fired is the Browns' new head coach. Again? <laughs> I mean, you, they got... <laughs> Ripping through coaches. Freddie Kitchens and this new them. fucking dude. Oh, they got embarrassed dude. by the Ravens. Again, it's the Ravens, but how does a team... And I, I, I do want to go back to the Jets so we can transition to the Giants, but now they're on the Browns tangent. How does a team that has OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Austin Hooper, and David Njoku score six points? And then they had the audacity to cut the kicker, they cut their kicker. I don't know. Our guy, Fanta, is rolling in his... <laughs> dude, he is not getting any sleep over these Browns, man. John Fanta on Twitter. fucking points, man. That's embarrassing. Again, the Ravens' defense is nasty. I mean, you have Calais Campbell. You have... Um, it doesn't matter if the Ravens' D is nasty when you have those weapons. It doesn't. It shouldn't. It really... You can't score six. You can't score six points. At least put up... Three, two touchdowns that's fine, or maybe even not that's okay if you play decent defense I mean the Steelers uh, have no, no, no. the Steelers have a top five defense, and the Giants at least scored sixteen yeah, and to transition out of the Giants too it's came out hot um, I think daniel Jones is he, he showed he's legit and I don't think he's uh he you know he's the problem at all. I think he's more you know ninety percent positive part of the solution, which is great um they started hot and then nothing cooking after that so not a great debut for Jason Garrett uh, as the offensive coordinator for uh the Giants they started hot i mean i have not had excitement watching a Giants defense since 2016 yeah so the defense looks sharp uh the offense i mean Daniel Jones threw two picks One of them was an incredible grab by T.J. Watt, so I'm not blaming anybody. I mean, that was just pure athleticism. The second one was a fucking dookie in the red zone, his first red zone pick ever. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's because, like, it is such a young, unexperienced – not young, but, like, they have a left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who's like, this is his first game against a top five defense after not having a preseason or true OTAs. Like, it's going to be a learning curve. I mean – you know, you're you're facing up guys against Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, uh, Hayward, like that. Like the the Steelers' front seven is is nasty, and like they held their own, but they could not make any running lanes for the for Saquon, which sucked. I mean, he had like 15 rushes for six yards. Like, come on. And that's not like I'm not even also blaming the you know the line on that because it's like Saquon. Like you could have made some more moves. You could have made some more moves. But I mean, Darius Slayton, he was a bright, bright spot. He had two touchdowns. Uh, the defense, you know, again, you're facing James Connor, uh, Juju Smith, big Ben still has some gas in the tank, but he was still looking Eh, I don't know. Chalk this one up as a, as a learning curve game. I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, but.
1: <laughs> there was a lot of those though. And I
0: think we we've got a lot more to talk about in the NFL as the season goes on. So Keep your eyes peeled for some content for us. Yeah, we didn't talk about Tom Brady, and that's we'll, we'll save that for another day.
1: Yeah, that was. We'll
0: give. I mean, the Saints are a tough team, so. I mean, Tom Brady. He did not. We'll look save up, it for another day. Yeah, yep. We'll save it for another day. <laughs> save it for another day. We can do a whole podcast on Tom if we really wanted to. Um, we'll rapid fire NBA, MLB, and then NHL, and then we'll go into our interview with Dave Ritchie from the Craft, Rhode Island. Uh, Get it on Amazon and 15 other streaming platforms, folks. Great movie. Uh, NBA. Who would have thought Celtics and the Heat are the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, On the other side, it's Nuggets forcing Game 7 against the Clippers. Um, You know, this is a weird playoffs. I think the the Celtics – went through the ringer against the uh, the Raptors. They made him work for it. They lost a double overtime game in game six. It is not easy to win after you lose a heartbreaker like that. So, I mean, tough to beat the Heat right now. It really is. But I, I, there's, I, I think the Celtics are more talented than the Heat are, but the Heat are riding a massive wave. They really are. Yeah, I mean – I'm going to write up a blog once the season's over and say what we learned from the bubble. And the one thing is like the Celtics are no joke and they haven't been for a couple of years and they're coming at that point. Um, but in this case right now, I'm going to say and seven. Heat and seven. Okay. Um, I'll take, uh, I'll take the heat and six. Yeah. I just don't think the Celtics can come over that push. Uh, what Miami's dealing with right now, but Anything can happen. I mean, especially right now. I mean, looking over in the West, I think the Clippers will come out of that series against the Nuggets. But on the other hand, I'm like the Nuggets are riding a hot streak right now with the game with push to the, push to the corner, they could upset upset the Clippers. Yeah, Clippers I still the game have the on. I saw the Lakers coming out of the West. Um, the Clippers had game five in the palm of their hands. Or yeah. game yeah, yeah, it was game five. They yeah. fucked it up. They, they made a few dumb plays, and I don't know. I, I think the Clippers win that game, but the, the Nuggets could cause some damage. Not really sure. Um, yeah, that's really – and then the Giannis sweepstakes too. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, allegedly nothing confirmed, but you've you got to be stupid if you think he's not going to look at the very least. He sat down with ownership and it's like they said they're making up a plan to bring in, you know, have a nice little lucrative uh offseason. I mean, names that are coming around flying around that they could be trade candidates. Ben Simmons, yeah. Chris Paul. Um Chris Paul is a trade candidate. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. Is. You know, and like the Sixers might implode, they might not, who knows? So it'll be interesting to see. Or, you know. If Giannis is not going to return with them next year, flip them while they're hot. I mean, they'll get a pretty penny for Giannis. Yeah. Oh, they will. So, but We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks as news develops. Yes, we will. MLB and NHL, too, to round things out. Uh, Yankees finally have a nice little win streak going on. If you're losing every single game for, like, a week, thank God. This is we're, – we're getting to the playoffs, which is wild. Um they announced the bubble system in the MLB, so they'll play at some regional sites. Um, what I don't get is the wild card games are being held at the team's, like, home stadium. So, oh, why yeah. so wild card, home parks for uh, one through four seeds, all three games. Yeah. I mean... Why are we doing I... a bubble? <laughs> What's the point? Like... Yeah. We're this far along, and I get it. You minimize the risk, but, I mean, it's like you kind of – they are literally shooting themselves in the foot. It's such an MLB plan, and I get it. It's practical, but it's just funny to see on paper. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really too sure what the thought process was, but NLDS is going to be down in uh, Texas. you got Globe Life Field and Minute Maid Park. And that's where they're doing the, the World Series and stuff after that, too. The though. World Series is at Globa, uh, Globe Life Field. And then, like the a- get them. yeah, and the NLCS too. Um, yep. and then the ALDS will be at Petco Park and Dodger Stadium, ALCS at Petco Park. Um, but yeah, well, this is the first year of Globe Field now. Globe, uh, Globe Life Field, yeah. So they had Globe Life Park before, and then they, they knocked that down and made building the life field right next which to it, which looks like so. an a airplane hangar, but <laughs> it does, it does, but it looks <clears throat> that's just from the outside, though. I think, yeah, excuse me. Um, inside the it's a nice stadium whatever I don't care it does look like an airplane hangar I guess yeah um so that's baseball I'm sure we'll have more for you uh as this goes on we have to do like a full sports podcast um don't forget about the Mets then, too don't forget about huh? the Mets yeah Stevie. <laughs> true yeah oh, real Stevie. quick because we're it's we're running out of time for this segment here but Steve Cohen by the Mets A-Rod officially out we're getting ink to paper now just laid on wait on the league vote and billionaire Steve Cohen taking over the Mets. Good for him. Fuck the Mets fans. Everyone <laughs> like, Next offseason, we're gonna get Trevor Bauer. Uh we're gonna get freaking George Springer, and we're still gonna have a billion dollars. Like, you guys. Ain't- <laughs> yeah, you see that on tweet, it's like, wow, LeBron's gonna come to the Mets. You guys. And ain't so kidding. is Leonard Fournette, and so is like <laughs> Oh, God. This is funny. The Mets fans have waited so long for Steve Cohen, though, so let him have it. I think that's a great move. He gives a fuck about the team, which the current owners don't, so that's a huge improvement. It is. He gives a fuck. He's a sports fan. I I get that, and I don't really respect anyone that says that they don't, like Steve Cohen. So good for the Mets. Uh, Real quick hockey check. Islanders – and the Vegas Golden Knights down 3-1. Uh, we're going to get a Stanley Cup that probably features none of them at this point. I hate to say it, but the way this is going, I really don't think so. Yeah, uh, actually, today, the Stars just beat the Knights. Okay, so the Stars, stars are in. in. Yep, Islanders stars are next now. <laughs> uh, probably, probably, probably. Oh. Well, we'll keep our eyes on hockey. We really haven't talked too much about it. We, we've got a lot of blog content going on with hockey, so that's where we'll defer you. Um, that is pretty much all we have for the for our segment of the show. Let's hop into Dave Ritchie. It was a great interview, folks. If you like beer and you like movies, I mean, pfft, shit, this is this next forty minutes is going to be very much for you. So. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Dave Ritchie. All right, everybody, coming to us live down in Rhode Island, West Kingston area, we have the director of the Craft Rhode Island movie available on Amazon Prime. Dave Ritchie, how are you? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're happy to have you on. I mean, great fellow Rhode Islander and a great, great mind in the craft beer industry <laughs> in the
1: area. So we're, we're really excited. I look forward to this conversation, and uh, yeah, I, I try. I try to uh, put together a good movie. Hopefully, people enjoyed it. Absolutely. So, like, let's start it off. I mean, who is Dave Ritchie? <laughs> well, I speak in third person. Dave Ritchie is... No, um, it's, uh <laughs> So, I, uh, before we, we went live, uh, you know, I'd, I'd mentioned that I'm actually a high school teacher at LaSalle Academy in Providence, teach uh, social studies. So, world history and American government. My background is in politics. Um, And uh, I feel like I've said this like 18 times today because school just started today and I had to go over, you know, everything, including talking about my movie. But um, yeah, I'm a lifelong Rhode Islander. I I grew up in Smithfield. Um, We moved there when I was like four. So I consider that my my hometown. Um, And then I ended up in high school going to Lasalle Academy where I teach. Um, I played hockey. Uh, Growing up, I played hockey at LaSalle, and then I actually played hockey at the University of Rhode Island as well, and um, when I was actually in school, I I took up, you know, history and political science, so we really started uh, our company doing a lot of that stuff with with political campaigns and things of that nature, and then uh, I sort of was a casual craft beer drinker back in, like, 2017, and we were doing some work. Uh, for local PBS and they were looking for some content. So the idea for the Craft Rhode Island came about through those conversations. And uh, the original plan was to was to do uh, the movie for PBS, but they were unable to come up with uh, the funding that, that we required uh, or would have liked. And so we ended up kind of finishing it mainly on speculation. And uh, we were fortunate enough to get accepted into the 2019 Rhode Island International Film Festival where we ended up picking up a grand prize, which obviously set us off on this trajectory, picking up an agent and getting a distribution company to, uh, to wanna to carry us. And you know, as you said earlier, Will, we're, we're available on Amazon Prime and about 15 other platforms across the country, you know, locally Fios, Cox, Comcast. Um, so people wanna check out the craftri.com, they can see a full list of platforms. And I don't know if I just answered your question or not about who is Dave Ritchie, but that's, <laughs> That's kind of the opening answer that I'll give you uh, regarding that. So I'm a teacher and uh, I guess a film director. We'll get into
0: all of this good stuff. You, you touched upon all of the points that we are going to hit in this conversation sure. for sure. But let's clear the air to start. Yep. You just said you're a Smithfield guy. Yes. And we've got a bone to pick with you Uh-oh. being Brian Bulldogs alumni too. So, so what yes. the hell's up with that? You just go down to play hockey or was it beef against yes. Brian? Not wanting to go you know, to school five minutes away from your hometown or what?
1: Yeah, I think it's mainly the fact that uh, that Brian is literally like three minute a uh, three-minute drive from where I grew oh, up, and uh, yeah. and so, uh, or maybe I was too dumb to get into Brian, I'm not, I'm not too <laughs> sure, but um, no, I, I, uh, I actually wasn't sure um, after I finished up playing at LaSalle where I wanted to go to, uh, to college, I, I was thinking about going to play junior hockey and trying to live that dream and become like a 21-year-old freshman, you know, playing... Maybe some lower level Division One or something like that, and uh, I was presented with an opportunity uh, to play at URI. At the time, they were they were talking about going Division One, which was attractive to me. I you know I wasn't going to go to the NHL, but I was a pretty decent player, and uh, and they were building a new rink as well. And uh, so Coach Augustine, who's now a good friend of mine, uh, recruited me to come down there, and I was like, oh sure, they'll be D one by the time I'm a sophomore. And, now I graduated uh, like 16 years ago and they're not yet division one. Um, <laughs> yep. So but we, we did get a good new rink down there at Boss Arena, which maybe my kids will end up, you know, starting their careers at since we live right down the street now. Um, but interestingly, so URI is division one club and um, uh, which is probably the equivalent of like D3. And, uh, but, but we, in our division was like Penn State, Arizona, Arizona State, all of which now are full scholarship D1. And at the time you could tell those teams were really, really good. And it was only a handful of years after I finished up playing that they ended up going full scholarship. You know, I wish that that was the plan for URI, even though I obviously am, am no longer able to play, um, but, uh, but still to this day, they're not. So no beef against Bryant. Um, I like their fireworks on the 4th of July, but it just wasn't really uh, some, I actually, you know, even though I own a business now, I, and they're known for, for business mainly, um, it was never really a consideration with all due respect. So sorry, Jake. No it's, worries. On that. It's fair <laughs> enough.
0: We're not gonna, uh, as the Bryant, you know, the Bryant Bulldogs, look yeah, at, down it. at you badly right here. Um,
1: <laughs> we'll take it. We understand. Yeah. And you guys are full D one now too, right? Is it is the hockey team also D one or no? They are not. Blind. Okay, oh, yeah, they're so, they're so Gotcha. Yeah, um,
0: but everything yeah. else is. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's the one thing I feel like that in hockey programs too. To go a little bit off topic is, y- you have that weird divide where you either have. Like a really, really good um, Division One club team that is mm-hmm. very competitive with like the higher end D three teams yep, too, right? Yep, so yep. it's so weird that that dynamic in in hockey that's not necessarily Division One, but I mean it's competitive nationwide too, which is wild.
1: Yeah, and there's I don't I don't know if this is the case for other sports. I know you said you you did you know you announced women's hockey and soccer and things like that, but in hockey, in college hockey, there's like there's really no D two. So you either go D one or if you're maybe like a smaller guy or something like that which I kind of am like d3 is basically like d2 and so it's kind of like off by a level or so but I don't know if that's the same for all college sports or not but yeah you still so, kicking on the ice or I I um I haven't played since 2005 I I finished play, yeah I finished playing um at URI in oh four, and then the following summer um a few of my friends asked me to play I played that summer and then I just haven't played since and I uh, got into, obviously, some other things that I was interested in. And now I just don't have time. I have a three- and a two-year-old. So, you know, I think maybe if they start playing, I'll kind of get back into it. I've started playing street hockey again in my, like, in my yard and in my uh, driveway with my, uh, trying to teach my son how to play. And uh, so so I'm starting to get some of the dangle back. But, uh, but I think it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a long way to go. I need to, like, start running first and getting in some shape uh, before I decide to, to start getting back on the ice. So maybe someday someday i feel that about getting back
0: in shape especially with all the uh heavy craft beer in the area it's tough to uh get Dude, back that
1: cardio it's insane i we you know doing these podcasts and um like i was on the crafted company uh podcast maybe like three weeks ago and it was over at linesider so jeremy ruff and i were, were there and then you know we were announcing the beer that he made for our movie and i was like oh i'm gonna take some beer home and i was like trying to pay him he's like no here take a case Everywhere I go with these guys that are in our movie, they're like, here's a case of beer that's like 8%, probably like 600 <laughs> calories of beer, and I'm like, okay, and you know, every night I'm just like, during the pandemic, and still even now, I'm like, okay, I'll have like one or two or whatever. So, or seven. You know. Or seven, yeah, whatever. <laughs>
0: uh, and we'll that. get into some of the beers that you uh, had and some of the places that you uh, interviewed, but taking a step back, so you went to URI, uh, you studied mm-hmm. um, politics, correct? Yep. That's right. Yeah, but right after college, you actually entered into the business world and had a t-shirt company with your brother. Yeah. Can you
1: kind of explain that endeavor? Yeah, I think that um, I think that I've always probably had an intra- entrepreneurial spirit to me uh, in a way. So yeah, after I finished at URI, like I'm a you know I'm a social studies teacher now, but I never like planned to be a teacher. I sort of just after I graduated needed a job, and you know I knew. LaSalle and they liked me. And so I started off as a longer term sub. And because uh, I finished in like four and a half years. So I graduated in like December. So I was a long term sub for that for, for the remainder of like the 2004, 2005 school year. And um, ended up getting hired luckily um, the 0- 05, 06 school year. So, but that summer I was, um, I had started that stupid t shirt company with my brother. And um, and so my brother went to RISD. He has an illustration degree. And so, you know, he's he was kind of like the artistic, um, you know, component to, to the business. And I was sort of just someone that always liked to try to, you know, peddle stuff, I suppose. And um, we learned a lot through that. Like we just didn't have the capacity to, to like people loved our stuff. And I to this day, actually I'm wearing one of our shirts right now from that stupid T-shirt company. It says, I really want to learn karate. Which was, you know, pretty pretty obvious. I I didn't mean to wear this shirt today. I'm just wearing it, and uh, I actually have another one of these that was signed by William Zopka who's Johnny from the Karate Kid. It's actually in my closet. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, I'm not. So I don't wear that one, but it's it's actually in my closet right now. And I know Cobra Kai is now on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but um, so anyway, getting back to the point of that stupid T-shirt company, we were um, we had that kind of design element, and then in like 2016. We decided to bring on my sister, who's younger than us, and uh, and then her fiance, um, who also has you know a lot of skills. So Nick, uh, my brother-in-law, is is the cinematographer and editor on the Craft Rhode Island, and uh, so we added some capacity there, and we kind of evolved into Eleven Design, which is the multimedia sort of company. Um, and like, like I said, you know, I I always I like to I like to I like to think that I'm creative. I suppose of our family members, I'm the least creative one. Of all of us, my sister's a pianist, my brother's a guitarist and the illustrator, my mom's a professional cellist. I can't play an instrument a lick, uh, but but you know, at the end of the day, I think just the fact that I was able to conceptualize the craft Rhode Island and write the storyline and you know, find out who to interview and how to interview them and stuff like that, maybe there's a creative bone in my body, and um, and so that's kind of how it happened. So it was probably always going to be the case where that stupid T-shirt company was going to be sort of just the the initial um, uh, you know plan, and then it was going to evolve into whatever it evolved in. So, uh, but but that had to happen. And we had a ton of fun too, and and some of the shirts we made, I just like can't wear anymore because we probably get us into some pretty big trouble. But <laughs> but it was uh, it was fun at the time, you know, to to do that, and it was all in good fun. We were never trying to offend anybody with anything that we. And just for to those clarify, listening, yeah, just to clarify to the listeners, the name right. of the company is it, yeah, that stupid, it is that. <laughs> that stupid T-shirt company.
0: Yep. For everyone listening, going like, why does he keep saying like that's it's stupid?
1: Like, yeah, that's it the, is literally
0: called that stupid T-shirt company.
1: Yeah, we we eventually were like, oh, we needed like tags for our shirts too to be sewn on, so we came up with a tag that that was we're stupid. So it, it it's kind of like the uh, uh, with double entendre or whatever, where it's like we are stupid in... W e a r wear stupid, so we, we had all of that going on, and uh, like I said, you know, we'd sell them at like the WBRU summer concerts and stuff like that. And but like, you can't sustain a company when you're selling like 15 t-shirts once a week, you know. <laughs> so it was it was a uh, it was a necessary evil to kind of get to where we're at. But you know, I think if you're if you're into trying to start up companies and stuff like that, you try a lot of things and then you sort of figure out what eventually works. And I think that's what happened with us
0: on the topic of this being your creative outlet you know you just yeah. mentioned that your whole family was very you know artistic mm-hmm. and by the book um you know gifted in the in the artistic lens i guess yeah. right yeah. so let's fast forward now to 2017 yeah you hop into the film industry you mm-hmm. you've clearly been thinking about this uh this idea in this movie for yeah. um you know I guess, quantifying what the beer scene in Rhode Island is and the people and the stories that make it up and the the problems and overcoming everything. Mm -hmm. What made you dive into the film industry and why was it craft beer in Rhode Island for you?
1: Yeah, those are two good questions. I think, um, so, you know, like I said, we, my brother and I got a drone like in late 16, late 2016 and started, you know, doing a drone reel. And like I said, he's, he's very talented. and so. We, uh, we did a drone reel called Above Rhode Island and we released it on Facebook and uh, it went like mini viral. It got like over a thousand shares in two weeks, like 77,000 views. And and like I said before, PBS picked that up and um, they, they were playing it as an interstitial in between like their, you know, whatever shows they were showing at the time. Um, but they were also going through a transformation where they needed more material and um, so they approached me and they're like hey you know we're thinking about some documentary content you know do you have anything in mind and at that time you know like i've said in other places like i was drinking you know sierra nevada and uh heavy seas loose cannon and uh harpoon and sam adams and some of the bigger craft beer names out there um and i had kind of started hearing about you know foolproof and, and uh breweries like that in rhode island newport storm and so you know being someone who uh who's interested in research you know i was like well this first of all i do like beer and i know other people like beer so i started with that and i was like i think this is like a thing that's going on across the country again at the time i wasn't like going traveling and going to breweries and stuff like that but i knew that there was something there and that people would probably be interested in it if we could pull it off and then like i said you know they told us to go for it without actually planning on ever paying us for anything but um, but I think I think I was able to identify the fact that like this was a thing that was happening and growing and emerging in this country. and then you know I think we hit it just right where like you know I would say probably the boom happened in like 2014, 2015 at least in Rhode Island um, but in 2016 there was that major legislation that was changed that allowed for a whole new wave of breweries to come in. and so we're only a year after that, you know, in 2017 and so we were able to kind of find you um, you know, the storyline with, with a lot of these breweries kind of exploding, right? Uh, so we, we kind of covered, like, for example, Proclamation was in their old spot. That's where Shade's on is now currently right down the street from my house. And we were able to, like, not only film the closing of that brewery, but the opening of their new one, right? And so I think that we were just very lucky with the timing of the movie, kind of being able to document really the explosion that took us, at least through the pandemic, let's put it that way. And now everything has gone to shit, but uh, <laughs> not my fault, so... I think
0: what I really, I don't know whose fault it is. (laughs) And and that's a a whole other conversation. But, you know, speaking on that, I feel like the Rhode Island breweries specifically have done a great job bouncing back and uh, really following along with like the different guidelines and ensuring that, you know, people, they're one, still making new beers and, uh, you know, surviving through this pandemic. So we're really thankful for that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I really enjoyed about your production was it was just a good combination of like showcasing the different stories and perspectives, as Mm -hmm. well as like providing the historical context. Like one thing that I took away that I didn't really, you know, I did research after watching was Jimmy Carter back in the seventies was the one that passed the legislation to allow home brewing. And a lot of these people, you know, were home brewers before they started brewing. So what were some of the stories that you uh, really enjoyed just like talking to the different uh, brewery owners, as well as, you know, just creating the film overall?
1: Yeah, I think um, the fact that exactly, like most of the people, you know, like Sean Larkin, as he said, you know, from Revival, never expected to get the beer. He was doing culinary and it was an opportunity to make some, you know, some more money than he was making, you know, trying to trying to start his own restaurant. But for the most part, you know, you go back to even like the Newport Storm guys or Newport Craft um, and then all the breweries, the brewery owners today. Um, it started off as their passion and they were just doing it because they loved it. And then they figured out how to how to turn it into a business. And I think that that speaks in a weird way to sort of what we were trying to do with our company in knowing that we like to be creative and and sort of whether it was making funny T-shirts or, um, you know, doing whatever, you know, writing music, which I don't do once again. But um, <laughs> but it was kind of like in a weird way, telling our own story, except through the lens of the brewery owners. So I had an immediate connection with them because I love hearing what other people are doing to sort of chase their dreams and pursue those. And, um, and, and furthermore, they're just all, you know, awesome guys and girls, Uh, you know, Nicole from Perfect Current, obviously we have in the movie as well, but like they were really down to earth. They were uh, accepting of, of, you know, allowing us to come in and sort of document, you know, it's basically like their second home in a way. So to let, to let us in to, you know, uh, see what, what they were up to uh, was, was really cool. And, um, and they were really honest with us too. You know, they didn't really, you know, not that we were gonna, not that we were trying to do a hit piece on them or anything like that, but they were really open to kind of some of the difficulties that they faced and, and uh, some of the success, successes that they had as well. So like I said, I think it was kind of in a weird way, sort of pursuing our own story through the lens of, of uh, you know, documenting the brewery scene as well, which, which I think made it even more special.
0: Yeah. Part of what struck, I think both of us were the stories for sure, which is why I think will asked that great question. Um, and you know, part of what stuck out to me was the barriers to entry. I mean, like it is, I don't really think it's ever been easier to be honest because you guys, you have guys that are doing these full-time jobs, like, you know, Efren Hidalgo who's at FM global stands out to me, right. He's a vice president and he's, you know, Handling, uh, he, he's like developing software and stuff. Yeah. And he's got, yeah. he's coming home on weekdays and yeah. he's going to Providence Brewing Company to do yeah. his passion. I mean, yep. have the barriers to entry ever been lower, Dave, for any aspiring home brewer, especially in Rhode Island?
1: No, I don't think that the barriers to entry have ever been lower, which is nice. Like even, you know, Efren's a great example. Uh, first of all, he wasn't even going to be in our movie. I didn't know a thing about him. And then at Ocean State Beer Fest in 2018, he just came up with his, you know, his Astro like mask on and he's like, what are you doing? And we were making, making the move. And he's like, can I be in it? And we're like, uh, okay. And now Efren's one of our great friends in in the industry. Um, but he's a great example because he, he does have a full-time job and he was able to just kind of, uh, you know, start Providence Brewing Company and, and figure out a way to make it work. You know, he, I think he's, he's lucky in a way that he doesn't have to like do it for a living to survive because he does have that job. Um, but he's also like, he, he's obviously doing okay, you know, uh, owning this brewery. But one of the cool things that he does is he, um, tries to encourage people to come in and brew with him. Like if anybody criticizes his beer, he'll reach out to them and be like, Hey, if you think that I'm doing a poor job, why don't you come in and hear what I have to say about it. And I want to hear what you have to say about it. And, and let's see if we can do this together. And that's the type of guy that he is. Um. And he's even had contests where, you know, he's obviously offering people's beers on tap and things like that uh, when they win. And and um, I don't know if there's any breweries that have um, sort of been uh, been conceptualized off of like brewing out of Providence, but uh, out of Providence Brewing. But um, I think in general, you know, you see kind of almost like a coaching tree throughout the United States of, you know, people going from, I don't know, Trillium to going to here or there. And, and I think that that's what's cool about this is that there's a lot of feeder breweries where people get their feet wet and, you know, kind of master their craft and then kind of go off and pursue their own dreams. And, um, you know, that's happened a little bit like uh, Justin Tisdale, I believe, who was at Appenaga. I think he's now going to uh, a new brewery that I don't think has been announced yet, um, but he was originally at foolproof, I think, right? And so foolproof has been a feeder brewery for a lot of, a lot of other breweries in the state. Um, but, you know, I think once people sort of become, I don't know experts or masters of their craft like the owners themselves want them want those people to to do as well as they can so like they're not trying to hold them back they're like okay now's your time you can go and and pursue something else that might be better for you and I think that that's uh, I think that's great about this industry in particular it may not be the same thing as, as some other industries so uh, so I think that was another cool thing to experience you know Your film, obviously, you know, was very
0: well perceived. You won the grand prize at the film festival Mm -hmm. and you got to hear a lot of great stories and it got picked up by, you know, Amazon and and many Mm -hmm. other different platforms. What was your biggest, I would say, like accomplishment or what did you feel that you took away the most from
1: creating this movie? That's a really difficult question, (laughs) Will. Uh, Like... The whole thing was just it was just wild, even to this day, it's wild, you know, and we're, we're, we're now looking at maybe some other opportunities, uh, maybe a different state, you know, and so the the fact that now we're, we have the distribution and the age and like, I never thought we'd get even close to here. And, and so now we have maybe some opportunities that we're, that we're looking at to expand this further. So that's been surreal. But I like the fact that we were able to finish it is crazy, like, it's our first you know feature-length movie you never think you're gonna finish something you know there's a lot of difficulties in in going through that process so that was big then you get into the film festival and like Sherry O'Terry from Saturday Night Live you know I was just talking about her earlier today with my students also like she had a movie in the festival and my sister was all nervous to go and talk to her and I was like Beth we have a movie in this in this festival too I was like I'm going up and (laughs) talking to her like hey Sherry you know what movie is yours and this is my movie you want to come see it on Saturday and like, there's the guy from from uh, what the hell's the vampire movie? I always call it Blue Bloods or the vampire show, True Blood. True Blood, I think. Yeah, it is. probably yeah. True Blood. Yeah, my my wife and uh, and sister in law were like, "Oh my god, that's the guy from True Blood," and I kept joking that it was Blue Bloods, and I was like, "Oh, is that Tom Selleck?" But so there's all like these actual movie people, and then there's stupid face me, you know, at at the festival. And but like. It was just like the coolest experience like something about mary premiered at the rhode island international film festival in 1998 you know with the farrelly brothers and ben stiller and and then our movie made its world premiere at that same festival and so like people can never take that away from us you know what i mean and, and it's i'm not saying that in like a dickish way it's just like a completely surreal thing to to accomplish that you know and to experience those things last year and going to all the other screenings of all the other movies and uh you know I could go on but and we even had like an after party where all the breweries like donated a couple cases of beer and so everyone that was at our movie came and hung out with the brewers and hung out with us and um so like again I don't know what the best part is like the whole thing has just been insane like even when when Therese uh, our agent calls you know I joke like oh that's my agent but in reality it actually is like again another dickish thing to say like oh hang on that's my agent but like who the hell like it's just crazy the fact that we were able to, to get so far and um and who knows what comes next, but it's been fun. So and again, this is
0: from a guy that did not go out west and study film and cinematography and all yep. that stuff. You didn't yep. go and you know, like our guy Ed Brady did at Thirsty Beaver, he was out there yep. for a while chasing that's his right. dreams, being a uh you know, going into acting and whatnot. You didn't yep. do that, you know. You you're a political science guy from URI. Yep. So that's right. That being said how did you get the help right how did you yeah. bridge that gap between you know amateur film producer to yeah. someone that actually has a shot to you know win an award and be taken seriously in film
1: yeah i think that's a great question you know you asked earlier about barriers to entry have the barriers to entry been ever ever been lower in the in the craft beer scene and and oh. no they have not you know so there's it's easy to kind of get into it and, and i would say the same thing about the film industry right i mean the the technology has become so commonplace that like, if you're, if you're a good storyteller, you can, and if you're a little bit lucky, I mean, there certainly, we had some luck involved in, in accomplishing what we were able to. But I think that like, if this was 20 years ago and you needed equipment that costs like, you know, $50,000 or something like that, there's no way we would have been able to do this, but you know, the, the, the cost of the equipment has come down. My team is, is awesome. I mean, we, you know, we did this whole thing with four people. We wrote our own music, you know, we, we did everything ourselves, which, so our budget, you know, costs were low. Uh, by the way, Ed Brady's a great guy. I know Ed very, very well. So, oh,
0: he's you know, the he's the goat, man. He, yes. he's, an, he's an awesome guy. I actually
1: didn't know that he he pursued acting, but um, but that doesn't surprise me. He's a good dude. So don't <laughs> ask um, me about that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the timing was was right for us, where we were onto something that's a compelling story. I think we did a good job. Um, you know, obviously, I think the fact that it was local helped us get into a local festival, even though the festival is so prestigious. And then we had we had a great showing, which I, I think contributed probably to the fact to why we won the award, is that people were really clamoring to to come and check it out. And so I think all those things factored into um, us being where we are today. You know, I, I think if any of those things went a different way, then maybe we're just guys that finished a movie and, like, it's up on YouTube somewhere, with all due respect. but um, But at the same time, I would say that, like, this is a great reason why i told my students this today like you never know where your life is going to lead you develop the skills and then you pursue what you're interested in and then you see where it leads you right so you know i would have never guessed even five years ago that we'd be here but you just keep pushing and do what you what you're passionate about and hopefully it works out
0: how did you choose the different uh brewers and breweries to be in the movie like did you know any of them personally or was it kind of like just based off research who had uh, an interesting story yeah, it's
1: another good question. Um, I had known Nick Garrison just very, very little because I had my friend growing up playing hockey went to Deerfield Academy with Nick. And um, I remember even like in 2013, he's like, hey, do you know, this guy, Nick Garrison, he owns foolproof. And I was like, what the hell is foolproof? Like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And, and so when we started doing the movie, I I think I had talked to Nick a couple of times prior to that for, I don't even remember the reason, to be honest, but um so he was the first one that we went to. And then from there, um, you know, he's like, hey, I'll put you in touch with this one and that one. And so, you know, we had known that we obviously foolproof was was one of the, the, the newer wave back in 2012. So we wanted them. We knew we wanted Narragansett for obvious reasons. Right. And So we weren't sure if we were going to get them, but we, we knew we wanted them. We knew we wanted Tilted Barn, who uh, I'm drinking a polywog right now from okay. Tilted Barn and uh yeah so so we knew you know people were just raving about them they're like oh you got to go to tilted barn you know blah 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 blah, blah. so we knew we wanted them we knew we wanted proclamation and then you know on the other hand like providence brewing company and linesider which you know is owned by dan one of the owners dan copan of the patriots um they didn't even exist yet and so it was like a last minute thing where we're like holy shit like a patriots player you know former patriots player owns this thing we got to get them in there and see if he'll talk about the super bowl right and so there were some, some that we planned on getting, and then some that were kind of lucky, and then there were some like Graysale and and Long Live that we really wanted to get in there, and it just didn't, our schedules just didn't work out, unfortunately, and so, um, you know, like I said, probably about six of them uh, were planned, and then, like, a few of them were sort of, you know, luck and timing sort of thing, and and that's kind of how the story came together. That's really cool, and we,
0: we're long live guys. So we would have loved to hear from Armando. Yeah. We'll have to catch up with him some other time.
1: But yeah, I talked um, to him on the, on the phone and um, it was like May. and we were, I think we were, I think we were like finished filming or just about to finish filming. And so I talked to him on the phone. He's a great guy. It wasn't like, no, I don't want to be in the movie. It was just like, Hey, are you available next week? And we just couldn't make the timing work. And then we just like kind of forgot about it. Right. Um, and like even the same thing for Buttonwoods with Morgan, like I, I didn't, I didn't know him uh, well, although the the can designer Frank is one of my good friends. And uh, but we had just kind of finished up, and and we didn't get Buttonwoods, and people are like, "Why the f isn't Buttonwoods in it?" And It's like, you know, you unfortunately can't get everyone. Uh, but but uh, but M- Morgan made a beer for us, by the way, even though he's not in the movie, which is really cool. It's so. awesome.
0: I think it's you. You guys did a really nice job of balancing out, obviously the the craft micro scene versus you know the. The Gansett story, right? Sure, thank you. And Chief Gansett himself, Mark Hellendrung, had a lot to say about how they had kind of been through the ringer over the years, right? Yeah. And about how they kind of had to reinvent the wheel back in the um, you know the nineteen, I'd say nineteen hundreds, but I'm yeah, talking yeah. about the you know what from their from their very origin to what they are now. I mean, right. they, they have oddly enough a very similar story to a lot of these uh, these other folks, I guess, that are in the industry now and trying to make a name for themselves.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. If you go back and, you know, they started what in 1890 and, and, you know, had their, you know, they had success almost immediately, but then prohibition hits and, you know, they're kind of scrambling and trying to reinvent the wheel and, and all of that stuff. And they were able to do that luckily. Um, but I think that's exactly right. And in a, in a way, like you're looking at what's going on with the pandemic now and like, it's a small thing, but, but even look at like what Efren's doing with, you know, his, his QR code, like you know touchless stuff where you can kind of look at the menu and things like that and so these or the uh, the curbside pickup or or whatever it might be um you know line siders got their stuff going on where they're trying to you know reinvent themselves as well moving to more canning than than taproom sales um so yeah i think that that's a big part of this whole industry is like you kind of <laughs> i don't know where oh there's jake oh, i'm sorry <laughs> yeah, <that's okay. laughs> So um, yeah, I think I think uh, innovation and and sort of evolving is a big part of this industry, whether it's from you know, the 19th into the 20th century or today. And you know the the laws are always changing, the environment is always changing. There's always new competition, and uh, you know these guys are all trying to stay you know one step ahead. And um, but like I think the fact that they are, you know at 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 its heart, I keep going back to the entrepreneurial spirit. But like they really do like if if you have that mindset, like you kind of figure out like what you have to do next to, to sort of survive. Um, and that's the same for Gansett, you know, a hundred years ago. And that's the same for these guys now and gals, I keep saying guys, but um, so, yeah. So I think that the Gansett story is very, very similar to, to, to the stories that we're seeing today.
0: And the movie shared a lot of information that I, that was new information to me. I mean, Jake and I are both, uh, you know, fans at a lot of breweries in the Rhode Island area, and we love mm-hmm. to hear their stories and history, but uh, foolproof having the casket beer with Jameson, like yep, I remember yep. that. Huge like, yeah, and yeah. I was like, after hearing that, I was like, oh my god, like that's pretty cool. And then yep. even more with Narragansett talking about, like I had to like go back after watching the movie and seeing, like, oh yeah, they are in Jaws. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, You know, it's <laughs> like wow. Like I, you know, because when I watched Jaws as a kid, it's like I don't know what Narragansett beer. Of course, is, yeah. You know? but it, it definitely portrayed a lot of interesting uh, little tidbits. And we don't want to give up too much because we want our viewers to watch the uh, sure. movie. But one of the closing questions we do have, what are some of your favorite beers in the area that our listeners should try?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to start with the four that were made in honor of our movie, which are all called the Craft Rhode Island. So Linesider went first. They had a, a raw uh, double New England. I think, it was, yeah, I think it was New England style. I think I drank all of mine. So I don't remember if it was or not, but so, so there's four beers that were made for the movie, all called The Craft, Rhode Island, but the breweries all had the ability to, to make whatever they wanted to. So Linesider has one, Foolproof has one, they have a, a pineapple IPA. Um, Providence Brewing Company has a Cuban Key Lime Pilsner. Uh, he might be out because he only did a small batch of it. Um, and then Buttonwoods was the last to go, and they did, uh, did a raw, just a raw double. I don't think it's in New England. So I would start there and you go and get those at the breweries. Um, my own personal beers aside, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that, you know, arguably Tilted Barn is probably the best or at least the well most well-known brewery in the state. Um, from theirs, I probably enjoy either the chosen one or the other one, uh, you know, which are both uh, IPAs. Uh, although they did do a fermented, I think it was 25, which was a nice pilsner. I've been liking pilsners of late. Um, Prock is probably, you know, in the top three. And um, so I guess to to cop out the answer, I would say that I think each brewery has a different beer that I would seek out, right? So again, I would probably give the gold medal to Tilted because, you know, they're they're probably far and away the best. But like, I think that if you go to any brewery in the state, you'll find at least one or two beers that they just like hit out of the park, right? Um, like even linesider, I just asked Jeremy the other day when his harvest beer is going to come out. You know, it's like kind of like a darker, like autumn type of beer. Um, not quite pumpkin, but like it's, it's in that vein. And I love that beer. And he's like, Oh, it's coming out in like a month. So I look forward to that. You know, Shades On's always got great stuff coming out. Um, you know, foolproof is, is just, you know, very, very consistent. You know, they have the depths, which is a double. They have grotto. I'm going to go on and on. Actually one more, I'll stay. Uh, Nicole from Crooked Current—they probably make a, you know, one of the best blueberry and, and watermelon beers. I still have a crowler wow. left of the watermelon, and like like I thought Shipyard Head was great, but her watermelon, you know, you know, uh, just is far superior to that. I would say. Yeah. But so I,
0: Crooked, it's funny you mentioned Crooked Current too, because yeah. I think might might be stealing Will Sunder here, but he's given <laughs> three total beers of five on Untapped, and the pumpkin maple was one. The pumpkin of them. maple was <laughs> awesome
1: as well. It, it yeah. was delicious yeah she she does she and jason do a killer job you know i I really want them to expand their enterprise even further but right now they just want to keep it small um but like you know i think for people coming into the state or even people in the state what i would do is probably try to make a weekend or or a few days out of it and you know when when my sister and and brother-in-law go out like before the pandemic we went down to like um coddington we went to rogue island and oh in taproot uh so Newport vineyards in taproot right we hadn't been to there to those places and they're not in a, our movie and so like you can't go wrong like you'll find an awesome beer at really any of the breweries that you would go to and so you just want to pick out what region of the state you want to go to you know and pick three or four if you whatever area of the state you're in so like where i live now you know in west kingston uh if i were going to pick a saturday you know you hit Shades on, Tilted Barn, Line Cider, and then either like proc or if you want to go even further south, maybe go to Whalers or something like that, right? And uh and you'll you'll find you know each brewery will have a few beers that are just awesome, right? There might not be every single beer is is killer, right? Like maybe tilted, like every beer is killer, but but in this state, we are we're so lucky that we have great, great breweries. You know, we're looking at we're looking at Massachusetts or or maybe another New England state next and You know, I've tried some of the beers, some of the beers in those states are are fantastic and on par with Rhode Island. But for anyone that thinks that, you know, Rhode Island is not in in the same class as some of the other states across the country, I think that they probably just haven't been here yet. So I definitely encourage people to come check out this scene, whether they live here or if they're from another state. So before we close too, and before we wrap up. You have a very unique
0: perspective in terms of, you know, you've seen all of these things come to life. You've seen the homebrewers pursue their dreams and you've seen, you know, guys that were working at Raytheon go and say they want to serve craft beer for the rest of their lives, right? Right, right. From your perspective, what's the best advice that you can give to people who are thinking about that? You know, maybe like, not stuck in corporate, I should say, but you know, to people like us honestly. Yeah, you know, we're yes. we're homebrewers, right? We wanna we don't wanna do that shit, you know, right. for like corporate our whole lives. Right. We wanna do something fun like this, right? Yeah. What would you say to because there there's gotta be tens of thousands of people that are thinking this and a lot of Rhode Island too. Yeah, so from I, your perspective, what do you think that you've learned about these people that can be skills for folks like that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question and um You know, it's tough when, when people say, oh, just pursue your dreams and drop everything. Like there are realities that people have, right? Like in my case, I have two little kids, like who I need to feed. Like we just moved (laughs) to a bigger house and I have a mortgage to pay and so on. And, And so everybody has their thing, you know, in some cases, someone might be able to, you know, to drop everything and maybe they have someone that, that will support them while they take a risk for a year or two. In some cases, people might literally just drop everything and take a risk and whatever happens happens. Um, but you know, for, for as much as people need to, like when you pursue something, you don't just do it haphazardly and then like it, it, it just works out. Like it usually doesn't happen that way. You usually don't get that lucky. So you obviously have to plan. But one of the things that I think, you know, a lot of these people, um, probably, you know, they had the passion for beer, but maybe weren't, uh, the most savvy from a business standpoint, and so, you know, you you definitely need a team, I think, whether you're just like a home brewer and you're like incredible, like like Matt from Tilted Barn is incredible, but like, this is, I have no idea. It's not a slight on him whatsoever. I don't know if he's like a business guy. Like, I have no idea, right? And so, like, when you're growing that business, like, I wonder, like, that that's another big challenge, right? So do you bring someone in that knows that end of things or do you just know everything? And so you know for for anybody i think you need to you need to weigh the risk versus the reward right right now it's a competitive market we're in a pandemic so like you're probably not going to be doing the sales that you would do ordinarily but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be out of the pandemic sometime there's going to be new opportunities that might arise and maybe at that point people you know people take the plunge but i would say that you know it's the same thing for our company like we don't have an office space because that's like an unnecessary cost that we don't really need given You know, the fact that we're trying to grow it and grow it and grow it. So so I would say you you absolutely have to have a team, whether it's your spouse, whether it's, you know, a friend who's a business guy, whether it's a friend who's a master brewer, like you can get into this thing because I do think that there is room for growth still. People keep talking about, oh, it's saturated and there's no more growth to be had. I argue over and over and over again, the key is to get more people to know that craft beer exists, right? We know it because we're in it but there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I didn't know that was a cool thing that we could do, right? So there's still opportunity, but you have to do it in a smart way and, and find a team that works for you. And if you do that, then I think that absolutely people can become the next Trillium or Treehouse or Tilted or whatever it might be. So, uh, and it's the same for people even not in the craft beer scene. You know, if you have another interest, you just have to, you know, you have to get a little bit lucky and you have to have some skill around you as well, for sure. Awesome. Well, Dave,
0: thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, For our listeners, where can they find the movie and where can they follow along on social media?
1: yeah thanks for for asking that question so um you know we're trying to grow our instagram handle and our instagram handle is at that craft beer movie kind of like at that stupid t-shirt company but (laughs) (laughs) at that craft beer. very simple man it's very very simple yeah science right (laughs) actually my sister came up with that she's like what if our handle was that craft beer movie and i was like oh yeah that that makes a lot of sense so so that at that craft beer movie for instagram and um for people to check out where they can find it. You go to the craftri.com and you know, the place that we're sending most people because most people have Amazon is we're lucky that we're on Amazon Prime and you know, just type in either the name of the movie or craft beer and we should come up in one of the top uh, searches. And uh, you know, and people should, provided it's a five-star review, people should drop a review for us as well. Um, and uh, you know, we've had some nice reviews so far and hopefully hopefully, people are, are interested in what we, what we made and, and have learned something about not just the Rhode Island craft beer scene, but I think it speaks to the craft beer scene across the country. So hopefully we'll have another shot to do another one, you know, down the road. We'll we'll see what happens. I will certainly be
0: leaving a five-star, very honest review. I, the reviews were so funny too, because it was like the people that were there on Amazon for that movie, you could tell they're like, this may be like messed right. up. And then there's a couple people that are like, uh, I don't know. Like it, I'm not sure. It was only an hour. It could have been reduced to thirty minutes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Go
1: fuck yourself. Like, no. <laughs> like, no. Stop. no, but it uh, clearly but. So I, I will say this, you know, because I, I sounded like a douche earlier with like, oh, it's my agent and all that. No, I think, I think, I think the movie is very, very good. I really objectively think it's good. But on the other hand, like we did make it with four people, and I think if we made a sequel, um. Yeah, you know, there's things that you would do differently. Like just stuff that you learn, uh, like for example, like we had some blurring out of some logos and stuff like that. Cause like we couldn't get permission from the Red Sox to show Dan Copen's hat. Like, <laughs> so next time, like, Hey, you can't wear any like Red Sox gear or Patriots gear and then, like little things like that. But um, you know, I take, I take that specific review that you're citing and it's like, that's one person's opinion and they probably right. don't know how we went about doing it. But I think that's perfectly fine. Like if you're going to be like, Oh no, F you like, you know, my movie is great, then you're never growing. And so, you know, I hope that the next movie is better than this one. I really do. But I think this one was pretty good too.
0: That is, if that does happen, that is a movie that I will certainly be watching and hopefully it's with, you know, like a Trillium or a Treehouse in hand for sure. Uh, I don't
1: want to been... give too much away, but, uh, but you, but you could be onto something there. So we'll see. Oh, okay. We're going to
0: break that news. I don't know. Let's <laughs> circle back on it. Um, Folks, this has been Dave Ritchie again, uh, director of the Craft of Rhode Island. It is on Amazon. It is also TV PG, folks. Your kids can watch this. <laughs> Except they for the F bomb, be a couple idea, times. <laughs> 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 if you don't want to give them any ideas, maybe not. But um, <laughs> it is on Amazon. You can rent it. You can buy it. You can go to all of the handles and places that Dave just mentioned to go get the more complete picture. Places you can stream it. Interact with them on social media. All that good stuff. Dave. I don't have a lot more to say, man. Thanks so much. And uh, best of luck to you. We'll be following closely. Thanks guys.
1: I appreciate it. You know, let's do this again soon when I actually have some news to break, uh, I'd be happy to, to share some of that with you, but this was fun. And, uh, and uh, happy to come back if you guys want me. Absolutely. Will do. Thank you. All right, guys. Take it easy. And that
0: was just Dave Ritchie, director of the craft, Rhode Island. Uh, great interview with him just a bountiful of information about Rhode Island beer and it was it was wicked cool to listen to him and how he came up with the idea and just his journey to the movie so if you get a chance to watch it Amazon Prime is the number one place to find it and it was definitely worth the uh rental fee just buy it just buy it and have it saved um but a lot of cool stuff I mean hearing not only about the smaller ones but the history of Narragansett beer is so cool yeah. And they're talking about Dr. Seuss and stuff and like Yaws, the movie. And yeah. Jaws. I mean, there's, and the, the people Sox, that haven't watched it are, it are it. like, what the fuck are they talking about? Go watch the movie. We're not yeah. going to explain shit for you. Go, go and watch the movie or if you really want to learn more, re-listen to the interview just now, back it up, hit Spotify, go back to whatever time we set it as. And, I mean, it, great dude. He has a good grasp on the industry for a guy that is a social studies teacher at a high school. It, 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 this guy is smart, man. He's real smart. He's a film director. Um, and he knows a lot, lot, lot about craft beer in Rhode Island, which I would expect for a guy that directed a movie called The Craft Rhode Island. But
1: it is it what it is. Be, um, this won't
0: be the last you hear from him in the house enterprise. No. World. No, it will not. We've got some stuff up to sleep, man. Um, top right in Positivity Corner, long episode. We'll send you on your way with some good vibes. Yeah, so according to the Good News Network, two-thirds of Americans believe they have become a better person this year. Uh, They're saying that quarantine has made them a better person. Um, A poll of 2,000 Americans over the age of 21 looked at the positive changes to come from this challenging time um, as they reprioritized values, um, that they changed their habits during quarantine. They learned a little bit more about themselves and they wanted to provide more kindness during this world of hate. So, Hey, I mean, although it's been shit times, if there's more good people in the world, we'll keep having this positivity corner. So it's good to see that these numbers are pumped up and they're uh, hopefully accurate. I'm really shocked. Honestly, I'm shocked that that's a thing like that's and I, I don't really know where I put my bucket. Like I don't know where <laughs> if I put myself in. Like, yeah, I'm a better person after this. I felt like we got some stuff done, right? We launched this podcast, which wouldn't have happened, right? But hey. I mean, to say I'm a better person after sitting on my ass for three months, I, I just don't know if I do that. And maybe I'm misinterpreting the question, but that's that's just how I'm reading the room right now. Boo. what (laughs) excuse me oh god yeah we need to wrap this up um uh all right what do we have on tap folks we have uh i think what are we up to 10 writers nine 10 writers 10 yeah okay house uh house enterprise blog is cooking we've got some cool things that we're thinking of doing for football uh just offhand, we've got Chris Hanel covering the Bills. Um, I'm on the Pats. James is on the Jets. You're on the Giants. We've got uh, Sam, who is covering – it's a lot of gambling stuff, which I like. That's really good. And then we're going to have other things mixed in, right? Um, big welcome to Ed Saland, who is going to be covering the Eagles. Um, I may, uh, We're going to be dropping stuff left and right, folks, at the bottom line. Hopefully, some video content will come out soon. Um Our friends at Dugout Creative, man, we, they dropped, they did it again. They they did it again. We were just talking about it the other day, or actually just before we got on here, they dropped the short sleeve hoodies. I had, swear to God, I've never put something in my cart so fast. I was at a red light. I go, oh my God, I'm like going to put my credit card in, but I was driving. I was responsible. I didn't buy it yet. Um, BBB Pod, you get 15% off. We're doing you a favor. Those sweatshirts are kind of expensive. We'll knock it right down. That's a pretty good sales pitch. Definitely worth it. I mean, they look comfortable. They're sleek designs. But they also have a lot of great other content, too. I mean, we already discussed that in the beginning. It was, you know, the baseball jerseys and the shirts of just the cities. And then that transitioned to a lot of different, like, um, you know, puns from all across the league. They also had the Kobe uh, Bryant Memorial T-shirt. But they had the OBJ Dookie shirt. They had the bitmojis of different baseball players. Yeah, they had the, the new era from uh, the Pats, and then the yeah new to England. I, I love like that They're They're cooking a lot of stuff. So if you see something you like and you end up buying it, shoot us a DM so we can feature it on the Instagram. Uh, but shout-out to Dugout Creative for the uh, awesome concept merch. Best in the It case. makes it real easy, and, I mean, we're, we're definitely doing well. Our partnership has obviously taken off these past couple of weeks, but – I mean, we could sit here and advertise people's stuff and it isn't that good. So, but as lovers of this kind of stuff, like I grew up with, you know, my cousin and I would fuck around and we'd make like concept merch and all this stuff. He was a much better artist than I for sure. But this is so sick. This is like stuff that you'll never see from the team, which is awesome. And they can't really get sued for licensing or anything because it's like, it's, it's just concept. Concept, concept stuff, like Cigar City for Tampa. Like, oh, dude, Any, anything, honestly, anything that these people make, they, they have Dugout Creative has something for your fandom. They do. I don't care what it is, and if they don't, buy a sick, uh, you know, one of the hats or like vintage tops, T-shirts. Dude, next question. I'm I'm done. I would if I was a listener and the people kept dropping this on a podcast, I'd be like, I have cleaned them out by now. I'd, I'd be two hundred bucks on a whole. Well, what? you'll be 15% off if you use code. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'll be uh, 170 in the hole instead of 200. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, seriously, those short sleeve hoodies, 55 bucks sticker value. will knock it down to 46.75 plus tax and shipping. Not, not bad. Not bad at all. And it's new era shit too. It's not like some crappy stuff. It's new era. Let's do it, man. God. Um, our fantasy league's going well. We didn't bring that up in the uh in the beginning fantasy leagues doing pretty interesting uh i personally went 3-0 in all of my fantasy leagues this week very excited uh i'm coming for the crown that is rightfully mine in the house enterprise league although you may dispute that because after a trade you made with our poor bastard friend Hanold, you really you, you didn't screw him but I, I don't know, know. i mean well, George Kittle had 10 points, but he got hurt. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Um, I mean, I made his team better with Josh Allen, but honestly, he really didn't because uh, – what's his name? Aaron Rodgers on my bench had 30 points with four touchdowns. That's true. That's so, true. I mean, it is definitely a long season ahead. I look like I have the win against the uh, Ryan Denson Autobots, our Boston deer guy. <laughs> um. Oh. But, yeah, there will be a blog dropping tomorrow morning as well alongside with this podcast regarding our Fantasy League. Well, I think we hit all the bases. I, I don't really have much. We've got our pumpkin beer brewing that I'm just eyeing down. and DM us if you want some pumpkin beer. Is that how breweries start? You just ask your friends for to to buy it off you. I don't know. I don't want to file for legal stuff yet. Ugh. All right. That's That's all we've got going to let you go on your day this was one of the longer episodes um next week and the weeks after we've got more gas guests coming up we have if you liked this beer episode we've got a few more of those coming and then i need mean, more sports and we've got great reviews on sir john fenergy last week uh with the pirates thank you as always you guys are great i'm jake and that's will so long, folks take it easy